You pray the truth, not what feels good. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie Show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp of AliciaVSharp.com. And today we have part two of John Bevere's message about the bait of Satan. Here's John. Now, this is not just a bunch of theory to me. You know, I got saved in my college fraternity in 1979 at Purdue University. One of my fraternity brothers was a phenomenal athlete, and I played varsity tennis at Purdue, and he shared with me Campus Crusade, Four Spiritual Laws, and I remember receiving Jesus. And after I received Jesus, man, I'm telling you, the love of God came in my heart. And did you notice, and when you became a believer, that it was easier to forgive people once you became a Christian? I mean, it was so easy to forgive people until, until a man who I looked up to so highly. This man was closer to me than a father. In fact, and, and this man did some things to me over a course of a year that were devastating. In fact, they were so multiplied, what he did to me, and so obvious that like every other day I had people coming to me after a year of this, they said, are you okay? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's cool. They, I'd have people come to me and say, are, are, are you going to go to him? No, 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 I'm going on with the call of God in my life. Now, let me, let me be really honest, and I hope you hear what I'm about to say. Because this is what kept me from getting free for a long time. I was too proud to admit I was offended. See, I saw being offended as a sign of weakness. And I wasn't going to say I was weak. So I kept saying to everybody, I'm fine, I'm fine. Now what happened was this. The love of God in my heart, the fire of God, started getting colder and colder and colder. It was like the frog in the kettle, but the reverse. Are you with me? I mean, ministry started becoming more of an occupation for me, not a passion. I remember, you know, Lisa would look at me in this time period. She'd go, what's wrong? I go, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. I'm just thinking a lot lately. Everything's good. And I, this went on for months and months. And you know what was really scary? Is people were still getting saved when I was preaching. People were still getting healed when I was praying for them. And I mean, it got to the point where I started getting so numb that one day after months and months of this, I walked out to my back patio one day. And I just looked up. I said, God, Father, am I offended? And I heard this on the inside of me. Yes! <laughs> this is the loudest I have ever heard. I thought it was audible, the voice of God to this day. And I remember I just dropped my hands and I said, I need help. I've fasted. I've prayed. I've confessed. I've forgiven by faith. I've done everything your Bible says. I can't get out of this one. I need help. Well... I was at the end, shortly after this, I was at the end of a four-day fast, and I went to a, a funeral. And this particular man that had deeply hurt me was doing the funeral. And I remember about two-thirds of the way through the funeral, the wells opened up, and I started weeping. It was the first time I'd cried in like six months. And I remember just saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I release you. And I was saying it under my breath. And I remember, when that funeral was over, I got out of there so quick because I didn't want people to see my red eyes from crying. And I came home, I said to my wife, I said... It happened. I just broke down, cried. I forgave him. It's over. Two weeks later, I see the guy again. And I thought, how can he be so blessed? He did this to me. And he did that to me. And he did this to me. And he did this to that person. And he did that to that person. Well, I remember leaving the place. And I thought about it all the way home. Then I ate lunch talking about it with my wife. Then I thought about it all afternoon. I talked about it with my wife at dinner. I thought about it that night. I went to bed thinking about it. I got up the next morning thinking about how bad he treated me. I took a shower thinking about how bad he treated me. And then I got scared. I thought, I 
forgave the guy. I cried two weeks ago. Why am I still so tormented by what he did to me? You see, that's what Jesus said. People that don't forgive are tormented, okay? I was tormented. And so there was a principle I didn't understand that Paul makes so very clear in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. Look what Paul said. He said, and herein do I exercise. Everybody shout exercise. exercise. Say it again. Exercise. Myself. Now notice, I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and men. Everybody say exercise again. Exercise. Pastor Joe, can you help me? Come on up. This is my friend Joe. All right. Now everybody loves Joe here. I can walk up to Joe and do this. Did you like that? Oh, I'm so glad you're honest, because some people aren't honest with me. I pushed him hard, but he's okay. But now, I could take this, and I could do this. And if I did, what would I do? I'd wound him. And how many of you know wounds don't heal overnight? So now let me tell you something. There are some offenses that hit us, we don't like it. But when it's over, it's like water off the duck's back. There's other fences that hit us that wound us. And if we don't treat wounds correctly, they never heal. Thanks, buddy. All right. Several years ago, I was in Hawaii doing a conference, Suffering for Jesus. (laughs) And uh, I get to suffer for Jesus again next week, too. But anyway... uh, But anyway, I'm in this conference, and and the second to last day of the conference, I'm playing tourist, and I go to climb a wall, and I remember I put my foot up on this, and it's a rock wall, it's uneven, and I put my foot up on the rock wall, and when I put all my weight on my foot, I hear this in my knee, and I went, ah, right? And my wife and the pastor are laughing at me in the car. When I get down from the wall, they go, he can't walk. So they, they carry me back to the car, and for the next six weeks, I'm in braces, I'm in crutches, and I'm being worked on by physical therapists. Well, the next day in Hawaii, this physical therapist, he's a big guy, bald-headed, huge, owns the gym, and he's not very saved and doesn't act very saved, okay? And he's working on my knee, really making it hurt, and he's so gruff, and he goes, hey, you wanna know why you injured your knee? You know, everybody in here, he's pointing to all the people working out, everybody in here, they wouldn't have injured their knee on that wall, but you did. I got mad. I said, all right, wise guy, why did I injure my knee and they didn't? He said, because you're out of shape. You don't exercise. And he was right. (laughs) I started thinking about it. There are some people, they don't exercise their inner man. They're not praying. They're not reading the word. The only meal they get is once a week from Pastor Randy. And so they're easily wounded. See, the reason I picked Joe is because Joe's tough. He works out. If I would have hit some of you as hard as I hit him, you would have been the doctor this afternoon. But then there's other people, like my next-door neighbor, WWF wrestler. He's 240 pounds, 4% body fat, perfect V chest, eight-pack, right? His muscles are his arms are as big as my legs. One day he looks at me and goes, John, would you please come and watch my videos? I said, okay, I'll watch your videos. I thought this stuff was all fake. I couldn't believe it. They're breaking chairs over his back breaking guitars over his head. I watch a 400-pound sumo wrestler jump off the ropes on top of him, and he jumps up like nothing happened. I mean, every one of you would be in traction for eight weeks. 
Well, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, great peace of those who love your word and nothing can offend them. In the spirit, they literally become like my WWF wrestler friend. So I got on a plane in Hawaii and I fly to Indonesia. Indonesia, I'm doing another conference and another therapist is working on my knee. And while he's working on my knee, he was a little nicer. He said, Mr. Bevere, you want to know how to get your knee healed? I said, man, will you tell me? He said, exercise. Every day, exercise. And I started thinking, when these ball players blow out their knees, what do they do? Physical therapy that gets their knee back to where it was before it was injured, right? So that's what the Lord said to me. He said, that's what you need to do. You need to exercise. I said, how do I exercise? Right? Remember Paul said, I exercise myself to have a conscience without offense? I said, how do I exercise? And the Lord said, read Matthew 5.44. So I go to Matthew 5.44, and I get down to the 44th verse, and look what Jesus says. But I tell you, pray for anyone who mistreats you. Now, in another version, he says, pray for those that abuse you. Now, what's interesting is Jesus never once says in the Gospels, pray for your mother. He doesn't say, pray for your dad. He doesn't say, pray for your kids. Now, does that mean we're not supposed to pray for our mom, dad, kids? No, a million times no. But what is interesting to me is the specific person that Jesus tells us that we have to pray for is the people who mistreat us. So the Lord said, that's how you exercise. You pray for him. So I got up from the table. That's the way I prayed. God, bless him in Jesus' name. <laughs> the next day. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, bless that guy. Yeah. Next day. If you can bless him. That's the way I prayed for the guy for the next five weeks. Now, that's like lifting a penny. When I got no better, but rather grew worse, I'm on another three-day fast, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I have no idea what he's telling me. He says, read Psalm 35. So I go over to Psalm 35. First 10 verses make no sense. Don't you hate them when that happens? And then I get to verse 11, and it starts making sense. Because look what David says in verse 11. Evil people pay me back evil for my good. I said, hey, that's me. I did the guy good. He paid me back evil. So I'm thinking the next verse, David's going to say, like, bust their teeth out, you know, like he does in the Psalms. So the next verse, David says, but as for me, look at this. When they were sick, these are the people who did him evil. I dressed in mourning. I deprived myself of food. I prayed with my head bowed low as I would pray for my friend or brother. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you pray for that man, what you want me to do in your life or basically your family. That changed everything. I got up from the table and I started pacing. I started praying everything for him that I wanted. I said, Father, I pray that this man would know you the best a man can know you. I pray that he would please you the best a man can please you. I pray that his motives and intentions would be as pure as Jesus's. I pray, Lord God, that you would literally shelter him and protect him. I pray that you would cover him with your presence and surround him with wise men and women. I pray that you'd bring finances from unexpected quarters to do what you've called him to do. And I start praying like that. Now, can I tell you, it took everything in me to pray that for him because my soul didn't want that. You know how some people say, well, pray what feels good? That's baloney. You pray the truth. You don't pray what feels good. That was John Bevere. And you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under John Bevere the bait of Satan. You can also find out more information about him at his ministry website. It's actually he and Lisa Bevere's website, and that is messengerinternational.org. Well, that is all I have for you today. Remember, if you get a chance, please rate or review this podcast. Head over to iTunes and, and submit that there, and I will see you again tomorrow. God bless.